I just can't figure out if it's because you're advanced or because I'm stunted. You take the red pill. You stay in wonder. I am McLovin. You do not talk about Fight Club. Life moves pretty fast. You don't stop and look around once in a while. You could miss it. Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of the Glacé Film Club podcast. Yes, here we are again to dive into another film. We go back in time, we get the current ones, we watch films from all in between. We're not afraid to dive in, we don't shy away and today is no different. And when I say we, I think all of you avid listeners know who I'm referring to. Yes, it's my good friend, film lover, now with Londonites in the liberal elite classes of London, it is Callum. Hello, Callum. How are you doing? How's life? How's everything going? Dan Seth. Yeah, I feel like there's only so many times we can we can use that. Um, <laughs> the, uh... Every time. I'm not going to let it go. <laughs> like the Callum reporting from London. Um, along. <laughs> We've got to add that kind of the showbiz razzmatazz to it as much <laughs> as we can. Feel, I do feel sometimes it's a bit like Trotters Independent Traders in the sense it's like <laughs> Callum from London, Blackpool, Blackpool. <laughs> like, <laughs> there you go. Um, you, you know, you're well travelled. I am. I am well travelled. Um, I've been everywhere. In and the... you've been doing some proper metropolitan elite activities in the last week or so. Yeah, so I I went to see um, the Godfather of comedy, um, the Times number one, top one hundred comedian um, Stuart Lee. Uh, that was fantastic. I, I felt there was there was a, a woman feeding her dog salmon on the front row, um, and of course he, that was just you know hilarious. It all added to the whole the whole arrangement. Um, but yeah, I've been what have I been doing? Uh, I've been drinking on in Soho. I've been wandering in the rain, as uh, Owen Wilson said. It's Paris is looks great in the rain, but London is better. Um, so yeah, I've been I've yeah just been casually hanging out in in the city. Um, I uh, what else have I, I been up to? Um. Just general flannery. I said that last week, um, but <laughs> I mean, it's I, because you're flannering a lot. Really well, I mean, putting uh, those Dot Martins to use. I need to get some new ones. They've worn out. Um, the uh, I was walking down, um, walking down uh, through Camden the other day, and I went to w- popped into the Dot Martin shop. And I'm just like, this is the this this is the shoe. This is the shoe that I need. I need all the shoes from Doc Martens. Although saying that, well, saying that though, down here, if you have, if you tend to, if you have things that are you know made from the products of animals, then it's frowned upon. So there's a big move. There's there's also there's big movements down here, Marcus. People in people in the northwest would be turning in their graves if they found out (laughs) they had vegetables. Vegetables. I mean, well, in the north, it's just like it's it's black pudding and Scotch eggs, like um, it's like meat wrapped in meat. Which you know, I'm partial to that. It's great. Um, I had a fantastic uh, extended breakfast on on Saturday and Sunday for that matter. Extended breakfast, brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> That's a great yeah, term. Extended breakfast. Um, but yeah, like if you were 
if you have if you have the flesh if you have anything that the flesh of animal corpses it's frowned upon down here um because we are in the we are in the seat of progressive britain i'm talking complete exactly. shit I'm talking complete exactly. shit well i think that's been it's half a, a, on a great london update right. for you we, we <laughs> always enjoy the london updates callum and as much as you might want to shirk away from it want to keep that as a uh, a regular feature in this podcast and until i get tired of it so thank you very much for giving your updates um we'll check in again next time and little tease i will be down there with callum very soon paying a bit of a guest appearance of the big smoke so who knows what we'll get up to there maybe even some film related fun who knows but until then we've got films to watch and more importantly we've got a film to review right here right now and of course you don't want to hear me talk about it callum's the one with the overview locked and loaded to summarize in his own unique style so callum without further ado can you tell us what film we're going to be reviewing today and give us a little synopsis of the plot and what it's all about I can, yes. Um, I say, oh, unique uh, overview. It's heavily inspired by um, the. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's um, it's a really, really uh, uh, interesting uh, platform. It's basically got lots of information on that you could possibly need anything really. Uh, Wikipedia. Um, it's a free encyclopedia, I believe. I don't know if you've heard of it, but it's heavily inspired That's, by. I'll have to check that out. Yeah, it's heavily inspired by that. It's uh, it's a really really good platform, um, <laughs> but yes, the film was the Banshees of uh, Anishirin, um, twenty twenty two, uh, black comedy, uh, by the same guy that did um, In Bruges. I think he did Seven Psychopaths as well. Uh, Martin McDonough. Um, Really interesting um, filmmaker, director. Uh, it's got Colin Farrell, Brendan Gleeson, Kerry Condon, and Barry Keoghan in it. Um, I want to say Keoghan. We'll go with that. Um, set in the fictional uh, Irish Isle, just off the coast of Ireland, um, in 1923. Um, basically, it follows the story of um, two uh, friends, uh, Colm... Uh, Doherty and um, Padrick. Um, now, these two individuals have basically been friends for a while, and the movie starts off with Padrick going to visit Colm, and he's knocking on for him. It's like, you come into the pub, you come into the pub, um, and he's not coming, he just sits there in silence, basically, and he refuses to talk to him, basically. And initially, he seems a bit, you know, distressed and. Um, Patrick is like sort of like annoyed at the rejection, basically. Anyway, um, it turns out that they've Brendan Gleeson's character, um, Colm, despises um, Patrick. Like he just doesn't like him anymore. Sees him as an obstacle to him, his grander vision of what it means to create art um, and what it means to exist. Um, and it's a really, really depressing tale about the decay of friendship. Um, and it's a really, really dark, again, really, really depressing tale about the absurd and how language um, can be used in lots of different ways to define friendship. Um, and it's quite visceral. Um, Colm basically says, every time you talk to me, I will cut off one of my fingers. And there's a moment in the movie, a good 35 minutes, where there's just a lot of fingers being chopped off and launched at 
doors and donkeys choking to death on fingers. Um, everything dies, Marcus. Literally, I guess. Animals die, and then friendship dies, and then people's minds slowly die. Um, people die. It's just very, very depressing. Um, but it's more about actually how friendship and legacy and um, remembrance, I guess, all interplay in an island, on an island, a fictional island that is desolate, where there is nothing. Um, but saying all of that, as depressing as it is, it's also hilarious. That's the Banshees of Inisherin, Marcus. <laughs> Thank you. An actually dark and ominous <laughs> overview oh, I, there. I had to. I had to. Tone. I had to say it like that, um, just because it it had to be done. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's fair to say it was a real change of pace from start uh, for ten. It was. Um, we couldn't really have opposed it in much of a different way, and now I'm really, in many ways, regretting what I was saying about start for ten, saying I wouldn't like to go to the shelf, reach for it on a, a cozy Christmas day, because I would happily have reached for that immediately after watching this film to bring a little bit of life and joy and light into my life. I was going to say, as you said, craving that, weren't you? Yeah. This was dark. It was almost as dark as it gets. Possibly the most depressing film I've ever seen. <laughs> and we often are drawn towards dark and depressing films and just picture, I need to give a bit of context to my viewing experience here because this is a, as you know, a film that's just come out. So I watched it in the cinema. I do always push to watch a few in a cinema. And I have often found myself in a cinema screening on my own or with a few other people. Thankfully, on this one, there were about 10 or 12 other people watching it. But I think as we left the film, there was a look in everyone's eye that we all felt that we needed to immediately form a support group together maybe march straight to the nearest pub and just be in each other's company for an hour in a safe space because this was too much for my poor little nerves to handle. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was just darkness throughout. And, okay, yeah, it started lighter. And I said to you earlier, Callum, that I felt like in the film Boiling Point, there is a constant escalation of tension in this, that film and it executes it really well to a huge crescendo at the end this does that but with darkness and depression in that it starts relatively light but quickly gets into the darker tone and the main subject of this film of the falling out between the two main characters that is alluded to within the first 10 minutes of the film and then it spirals, escalating step by step before you've just got this horrifically dark ending. Not much light is seeping in quite literally because the shooting and the films on a dark, dingy island where there's not much going on. There's not many locations on the island. It mainly just bounces between the two main characters' houses, the pub and a little corner shop. And that's kind of that. And the isolation is really bored down on you as it shows boats coming on and off the island and no one really travelling between them. Set to the backdrop of the Irish Civil War, there's no real let-up. And I know you said, kind of, yes, it's funny. And I'll give it that for sure. It's crafted very well and that dark comedy is hilarious 
throughout, no matter how dark, you are laughing. Sometimes you're laughing because you feel you want to laugh over anything else that you want to do because the tears are, are holding back or the shudders as you want to leave the cinema screen in. But there's some genuinely funny scenes in there. And also not just jokes or funny lines. It's it's absurd. It's it's not absurd in the way that everything everywhere everything everywhere all at once was absurd with like the visual um, and w- manic absurdity. Although that does come in a little bit with the chopping off of the fingers, but it's just kind of a bit <laughs> strange in that the whole darkness of this film is built around two uh, older men. Well, one older man, one middle aged man falling out because. He doesn't like him anymore. He just doesn't fancy being friends with him. And it's said in that, I don't like you anymore. That was a very childish statement. And that adds to the absurdity to it. It's like the actions are like a bit childish and strange, but set against a very dark backdrop in, in what transpires. So unfortunately, initially in my thoughts on this, any critical uh, faculties have been dampened by just the sheer blinding light that is the the darkness, the oxymoron of the darkness blinding me was, has been quite a lot. And I've been quite reluctant to dive back into breaking it down because it was just so heavy. But one thing I will say straight off the bat is that there must be some good craftsmanship to the creation of this film for it to elicit such strong responses. We go on about how we believe films should leave you with something to think about, but they should evoke a strong emotion within you as you're watching it and hopefully after you've watched it and wow this has definitely done that so as much as I want to kind of brush this film aside and not really consider it much further I think the fact that it's had such an impact on me and it's it's made me think not just about the subject matter but made me really you know it, it shook me to the core and I think if a film can evoke such raw human emotions in anyone then it's 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 got to be deemed as a success so we'll get into some of those themes, but straight away, I just really want to emphasize like if you if you haven't gone to watch it at the cinema, go in in quite a stable mindset because this one will really push <laughs> you to a dark place. But that's where it took me. And I think on reflection, that's probably a success of the film because if it's been able to do that, then some skill has gone into making that happen. So they're the initial thoughts on that kind of were you in a similar mindset i know you were used the word depressing a lot in your quick overview then did you feel similar and do you think that is a success of the film or did it cloud anything deeper than that to you well i mean there's 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 layers to the depression isn't there i guess there's layers to depression i mean (laughs) like i went to what i when i went back up to blackpool um for just spend some time back on Back on the coast, and I walked to the cinema, the Odeon cinema that I worked at when I finished high school. So I walked there, um, and the only thing that's on that same park where <laughs> the Odeon is, is there's an Odeon, in a ma- which is basically a massive warehouse, a car park that's been half dug up, um, boarded up shops, Two boarded up shops and and some scaffolding. So I'm walking in and I'm just like, this is like it's like the Valley of Ashes. It's like, it's like you know, it's it's like I'm on the it's like I'm on the island um, yeah. before I've even gone to see it, and even though it's made up. Um, 
But I thought it... And then there was me and about four other people in the middle of the day on a Friday afternoon. Um, and I went into it. So with in that <laughs> with that setting. Um, and I kind of... It did make me think a little bit that the people on the island are so isolated. And it makes the the friendship or the decaying friendship ever more potent because there's nothing else happening. It's so barren. I mean, you've got the ghoul, as she's referred to, the woman, um, which, I mean, mm. she's, like, she, she's yeah. you know, pottering and prowling around the island, judging people it's with quite her. A, it's quite a Shakespearean edition, it is, isn't it? It really is, yeah. It's, it's, it does echo of... Um, the these like it reminds me she's she looks like some it's like some sort of druid or druidess she's like i mean she i mean if she, that's that's what she i think she's modeled on i mean druids were druidesses were part of celtic tribes and during the iron age so and the the the, the island itself is very um it so it does feel medieval in a way in its sort of like in its um in its uh what's the word i'm looking for um and something is uh, in its, its viscerality. It's very medieval, like the fact that he cuts off his fingers with some yeah. shears, and then he you know launches them at the door because obviously, like you know, Padre uh, Colin says, every time you talk to me, I don't want to speak to you. Leave me alone. Will you leave me alone? Leave me alone. I don't. I'm not your friend anymore. I don't want anything to do with you. And then every time you speak to me, I will, I will amputate one of my fingers. And then he launches his his dead fingers at the door, which I th- which sounds absurd and brutal and horrible and and traumatic. But I thought it was just quite funny, because it was like the the, the decay in the friendship has got to such a stage where it's like you feel as though you have to chop off your fingers just to be left the fuck alone. Um, <laughs> I just thought it was it was quite funny in a way. And then obviously he's trying to play the fiddle with his blooded stumps. Um, Again, funny, and then when his donkey starts chewing on one of the decaying fingers in the front garden, the donkey dies. Really funny, and it all sounds horrible. It's like Callum, you dark, dark bastard. But it was just a bit funny, like because it's the absurdity of it all. Like, and that's what I liked about the movie. It's what Martin McDonough does quite well: is that he that play between language and action. They shouldn't move like chopping a finger off, and then and then his immediate reaction is, oh, I've got to put it in a box and return the finger because it'll get, it'll go off. Like, what? Like, that? that's not the reaction that you'd expect to have when someone cuts the finger off and launches it at your front door. Or, yeah. I think we're, I, th- I think, I think you've been rowing. And it's like, I don't know if we've been rowing. Have we been rowing? I don't know if we've been rowing. But he just cut his fingers off and said he doesn't want to see you anymore. Um, yeah, absurdity. The absurdity in the language creates another layer too. depression, I guess. And friendship yeah, I like that, that as a technique, um, and maybe just going away from any specific themes at the moment in in the film. I think as a technique to both drive home the shock factor and the darkness of those quite visceral acts, countering light comedic tones with very dark actions is a powerful it is, technique yeah. because. You're laughing at, like you say, quite funny comments, as I said before, like the childish conversation. But then also, as you say, the idea of like, have you been rowing? It's quite comedic to say you've been rowing when it's obviously like a lot more than that and it goes a lot darker. And then there's just like funny elements to it. So 
the uh, the character of Dominic, who plays like the village idiot, essentially. <laughs> yeah. Like he has a lot of um, funny conversation lines that he comes out with um, in conversations, which are like audibly quite funny. The way he acts, um, but also that scene when they go into to steal the booze off his sleeping police at, oh, policeman yeah, br- father. Brilliant scene, that, isn't it? Yeah. And he's like, oh, I don't want to wake him up when he's been masturbating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was good fun, that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, it's like, <laughs> and it's just funny scene as, like, this grown man and this lad creeping into the young lad's dad's house to, like, steal the booze when he's asleep in his pants. And it's just like just funny, like it's almost like a teen movie at that point. So it definitely kind of like borrows from all different forms of comedy to deliver that element of it. Um, and also something that you mentioned as well, Callum, of saying how it's set in the twenties, nineteen twenties, but it feel it kind of dances between a bit like it feels modern in the conversations they have sometimes and the setting and things like that. So it confuses you and that, but that adds to that absurd comedy to it as well. And I think that as a a filmmaking technique in what I was saying, right at the start of the conversation, I think is quite powerful because what the director I think is looking to do there is evoke a quite raw reaction from you. It's not just you following the plot and being shot by the plot. It's meant to feel visceral. You're meant to feel it deep down. And what I described of my experience of watching the film and coming out of the cinema, and even now starting to try and talk about it, it just felt very raw emotion. It really got me. Like, it, it hit me hard. And I think you don't get that just by laying, like, telling a story to someone that is dark. You need to punch them with different ways and it it adds to the realism of it in a way even though it is absurd but what adds to the realism is of having relatively passing conversation which is just kind of like the setting of the pub having the pub chat and back and forth in it in quite a casual manner but talking about something and then showing something which is actually actually ridiculous and as you said i didn't thought about that very medieval both with the setting of the dark gothic woman but also him chopping his fingers off feels like a medieval punishment and the fact he's enacting it on himself that's the kind of most visceral part of it is that he's enacting it on himself what darkness must be within him to enact such a, a dark act upon himself and i think those techniques are what really get you and I think it's very clever to do that, is not just throw at you. Because if you're just throwing dark actions at someone, it's horror. You're just watching horrific things happen. If it's just a man chopping his fingers off, that's horror. But this isn't horror. It's dark comedy, black comedy. And that's the difference there. And I think that's why it's even more shocking and gets you in a different way. Because it's you're not going into it thinking, oh, this is a horror film. You're thinking, this is just some people down the pub and one of them has decided to chop his hand off so the other person won't speak to him that's what is more horrific than a horror genre and i think wow that's why it can get you to a dark place but then just picking up on what i just said there of um main character colm chopping his fingers off because he said to podrick i don't want to be friends with you i don't like you no more i think was the line um and basically the reasoning that he gives for that is because he's then in search 
for something more meaningful in his life. He's he accepts that he's getting older and he thinks that Padrick's been too much of a drain on his life. He's been chatting rubbish with him for ages and he feels like he's wasting his time. He wants to create a legacy. He wants to spend his remaining days doing something artistic and meaningful. And to him, that's writing music on his fiddle and uh, not speaking to Podrick. And that's basically the thrust of the the film with then Podrick trying to win back his friendship, essentially. Um, but what's quite fascinating is that obviously it goes to those dark depths and it's all built around this decaying friendship, but it's not a friendship that decays in a way you'd normally expect. It's built around Colm's kind of pursuit for something more beautiful. And I just wanted to know what you thought of that, because I think there's a lot of different reads of this. There's the obvious of just looking at how relationships decay, but doing it as a an extreme view of it. But I think there's a lot to be said for this idea of, uh, and this comes out in the big like argument scene in the pub where Podrick calls him out when he's drank loads of whiskey of saying like, oh yeah, well you think you're so clever and stuff, but what happens is just being nice, like you used to be nice and I'm nice and like I pride myself on that. There's nothing wrong with being nice and then Calm says to him, oh, well you won't be remembered, will you? That's the kind of, mm. the dichotomy of it. What do you think the film is getting at there? And what, what does that speak to you with? Like, Because I think there is something in that, but there's a lot of different ways to look at it. Well, there's, I mean, that's, well, that's my favourite scene in the movie, apart from the... Um, I mean, the act of... Uh, it's, it's all about memory, isn't it? I mean, that's, that's what the the relationship's all about. It's like everyone remembers them as two friends that drank a lot in the pub on this remote island that's but that's their memory that's their legacy that's their there's um a certain sense of like i guess like there's in the eyes of colin there's there's a paucity to it all well, i mean there's like, there's nothing there in his eyes the only thing that he's got to show for his friendship with um his friendship is the fact that they drink and that they hang out and obviously, it's about for, for you know, he wants to create an artistic legacy. Um, there's an arrogance to it. There's also a narcissist narcissism to it. But I think it's the the fear that when you get to a certain age, it's the fear of not being remembered or wanting mm-hmm. to have uh, a lot. I mean, I remember talking to you about this. This idea that I don't want people to think of when they think of Callum, I don't want them to think of, you know, Callum, oh he's a teacher. Most depressing thing ever. <laughs> like that's the you know that's the definition of your existence. It's like, Jesus, no way. I've there's there's a lot more to my character than that, you know what I mean? And it's exactly the same in this film, in a way. Like, um it's all about memory and what that means in the grand scheme of life. It's also interesting as well that it's set in the backdrop of quite a seismic event in Irish history as well. So it's like this idea that when when all when it all set when it, when all is said and done, um, what you will you be remembered for? Um, and of course, it dances with the whether he's right or wrong because obviously he talks about how like um, the great opera, um, or the was is it Tchaikovsky references or Beethoven or was it Ulysses? I can't remember. 
he references some writers but again i can't even remember what he references but he, in, he incorrectly references um a, 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 an opera singer or uh i think it might be beethoven yes because um Siobhan's sister Siobhan, Siobhan the, the decade I yeah think. and the calls him out on it yeah um the 1880s i think she says it was which i think is a very um, fascinating part of it because it almost i think at that point it's maybe unclear what the the filmmaker's saying of what side they're standing on but he's very much kind of calling calm out as a little bit of a little bit pretentious and actually um doesn't have much substance to what he's saying well that's that that scene that, that bit when she calls him out is absolutely necessary to sort of give the because at the moment when, he, when he's like going on about this idea of like being remembered and having a legacy i, I did i did see a bit I, I knew exactly what he was what he was talking about in that respect this idea that you know you want to you want your identity to mean a little bit more there's always an element of sort of wanting to just to well i mean for me anyway to like just, you know to have a grander meaning or chase a grander meaning we spoke about this in um we watched what was the movie did we watch that idea of chasing something else or chasing the Anthony Bourdain movie for example oh, the whole yeah. the whole the whole heart of Bourdain's depression and the Bourdain's identity and legacy was that he was wanting to chase something more sublime almost and that's exactly what um Colne's doing with his music and his um and playing the fiddle and whatnot, and he's, it's no, it's it's a nice stylistic technique that he's using. Students, he's using, he's trying to recapture his youth a little bit. I think he's yeah. having a bit of a yeah. crisis, and he's using students as a way to to recapture his youth through music and through beauty. And of course, um, for him, that all, all sounds very sublime and beautiful. But then that's completely, and you think, oh, that's you know, that's reasonable. But then you, it's, but then that's completely shattered the moment Siobhan corrects him on his decade and realises that on the one hand, yes, it's nice to have an identity and memory, but on the other hand, on you you know, you should just be nice to people. Um and, you know, people remember you for being nice nicer than you than you think. But it it opens up a conversation really about what we remember of our past and what we what what we remember what we want to remember what we want to envision for our future it's classic mcdonough in the sense that it plays with language and memory and almost history in a way not history in the sense of like you know on the the, the grand um timelines of world events necessarily but your own personal history um mm-hmm. your own little history um the pe- a people's history or something like that like who you are as an individual, individual histories. And it's, you know, they're having these quite complex conversations about how they're going to be remembered in on an island where there's nothing. Yeah. So it, it really forces you to zoom in on that relationship, which in some ways heightens what they're trying to say. It, it amplifies the crises that Colin is having with the idea of decay and memory because there's nothing else for you to focus on. You know, they got the desolate landscape, and the only thing you can focus on, the only thing that you're forced to focus on, is his decay and his crisis of meaning. So, you know, it's um, it's a really interesting film, really, in that respect, about how you're remembered and how you want to be remembered in a way. Of course, it's done in a really brutal way. Um, mm-hmm. it's set with the decaying friendship, and you know, he cuts his fingers off, and I mean, he's a he is he's not he's a horrible person. Like he's not a nice person, but, but can we? You, but but you do still... we not call out that this is 
a mental breakdown like and it well gets i was i was literally film, like are you are you just depressed and it's like yeah it yeah shirks yeah. around that doesn't it and um obviously in a more modern setting that would be what it is and it's interesting that that is built into a film obviously released in a modern time but but set in the past is that if somebody chops off all the fingers because they don't want to speak to someone anymore that is a mental breakdown yeah definitely and i was literally just going to come on to that that idea of like go on what what like what basically like what what does it um... what does that mean in the context of this this film yeah well, yeah, indeed. So that's basically what what the the idea of the time it plays with time and it plays with this sense of like, um, you know, what does it mean to be okay? I guess, um, it's a yeah. It's I still for me like that relationship is it is about memory and it is about the absurdity of it and how it's not it's you know human existence is a very complicated thing to try and understand. But um, I think fundamentally it is a movie about memory, but it's also a movie about, you know, what does it mean to be depressed in some respects? Maybe I don't know. It's an interesting. Absolutely. It is. It's a. It's an interesting film in that respect. I could add a bit more there, but I'm wary. We really um, natted on here, and we have, before yeah, do, yeah, I just wanted yeah. to say, yeah, some really good points there, Callum, and I. I think there is even more to be dived into into that area of their relationship and like comes pursuit of something pure and some legacy and and podrick's idea of just being a nice person and my quick conclusion of that what i took from it i always try and find the filmmaker's voice i don't know whether that is the right thing to do but i always feel like there is a another character in a film and that's the voice of the filmmaker and in this i sort of feel the suggestion is those two things need to be married in harmony for there to be mm. a, a happy lifestyle and because they both got on famously in the film very well before it, but as that got out of kilter, as he was trying to be go down one road too much, and it threw the whole thing out of whack. It was kind of like you know back to the old yin yin and yang um, idea, and I don't know whether that was kind of point it was making. But I just want to add one other area before we wrap up because this is yeah. something that really did stand out to me it was this idea of escalation. Um, that the film starts on what seems like a throwaway comment of I don't like you anymore to Podrick and he thinks it's an April Fool's joke turns out it isn't and then they just kind of as you say they're rowing but then it escalates and escalates until you're left with Podrick's house burnt down and you and he's got no fingers left on one of his hands and Podrick's uh, donkey's dead and you've got a whole <laughs> lot of carnage yeah. everyone's changed and you've got a ridiculously dark hellish scenario of what was um somebody saying they didn't like someone else anymore and i think there's a wider point to that and i think somehow that is linked to the backdrop of the irish civil war because i definitely think there's a point to that because it's mentioned a lot in the film it's not just there for um temporal context it's Mm. there for something bigger and without knowing the ins and outs of that specific part of history i don't want to pass too much judgment but my feeling is that there's something there of this idea of escalation going from something of um, a small disagreement to going past a tipping point in their individual relationship where things had 
past and gone uh, under the bridge that couldn't be forgotten anymore and they were too far gone for them to ever go back to civility or anything even close to that and I think there was some parallel in that with a war the details of that might be more relevant to the story but I just think war and um, bigger disagreement through groups in general is very much that something that escalates from whether it be misunderstanding, whether it be someone fe- feeling superior to someone else and enacting it, or whether it be um, just general clashing leading to something that tips to a point where there's no going back from it. And even though there's a point in the film where Combs says to Padraig, you've burnt my house down now, I suppose that means we're, e- we're equal. And he says to him, no, if you would have stayed in it, then we would have been equal. Um, this is just the start of it. And then that's that's that you you surmise from the end of it the film then goes on and there's that scene is horrifically soured and more horrific things mm. happen at the end of it. But I think just that idea of escalation because the whole main plot of the film is a big spiral of escalation of a lot of things, but it's their escalating relationship into something ridiculous. But I definitely think there's something contextually put against the backdrop of the Irish Civil War there. And I just think that was quite a powerful thing that hit me was how that went. And I think that's something that can be taken for personal lives in smaller areas because then pride like human emotions of pride come into play and redemption and revenge and all those evils because you feel that you need to return what's been put upon you and your character's been changed and uh, Padraig's own character gets changed and he questions what he believes in which is niceness and he changes that the core like fabric of his being because it goes past a certain point but I feel that was something that really stood out to me from the film was that as a theme um and better research people than I might be able to really piece those things together but that just adds to my thinking that this film was very well crafted and that's what led it to give such a deep emotional response within us after finishing it so they're my thoughts on that and I think I'm going to push us to wrap up here now Callum because I think we've said some really good stuff there and again we do often say this the fact that when we've talked a lot and there's still a lot to talk about is often the sign of a good film because yeah. it's really taken us to some places so I'll quickly wrap and give my uh, mark out of 10 I'll throw over to you Callum and then we'll say goodbye to the listeners for this week so as I said First watching it, finishing it, I was overcome by the darkness and the depressing nature of it. And it, often, and it did blind straight away what I thought of it. But I have to take my hat off and say... Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I've just literally taken Quite my literally, hat off yeah. um, <laughs> I have to say, it must be well-crafted for it to do such a, a thing and evoke such a response. And I think for the reasons that we've discussed, there's very clever detail in it, but also... There's that real balance between the lightness of comedy and the darkness of the subject matter, which I think impacts you even more in the horrific acts that follow. Um, Also, like I said, that historical context, I do think there's something there, and I think there's some bigger themes and, and ideas that come through it on that front. So on the... Didn't necessarily enjoy the viewing experience of it, but I think the craftsmanship of the film and also what it was able to do to its audience, you've got to say, well done. So that's an 8 out of 10. Callum, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I'm going to give it 8 out of 10 as well. Um, I won't be in a rush to necessarily watch it again, but it's uh, purely because it is just so dark. Um, yeah. 
You don't, I mean, that you is leave not it. a Christmas film. It's, this is the no, opposite of no, a Christmas the, film. This, this is the opposite of joy, really. Um, and it's not even, it's just trauma, really. Um, but yeah, it's it's a really interesting movie about, I guess, memory and legacy and how language and actions sort of interplay with one another. The fact that I still can't really put my finger on, like, a kind of concrete sort of meaning means that it's a good film in some respects. So yeah, I'm gonna give it eight out of ten. I, I I'd I'd encourage people to watch it in groups. And yeah, may, okay. Um, yeah, yeah, and yeah. maybe maybe don't watch it in um the relic of a dying northern seaside town Odeon complex where one used to work as a teenager. Um or maybe that was the perfect place to watch it. You know, film's all about decay. I went to see it in a decaying cinema where I used to work. So, you know, maybe that's the way. Maybe I watched it in the perfect setting, the perfect place <laughs> to have watched it. Um, all added to the all added to the effect. Um, but yeah, eight out of ten. There's a Guardian article here somewhere. There's always a Guardian article somewhere, <laughs> isn't there? Always. This podcast <laughs> could be a Guardian Guardian article. Five stars, the Guardian. There you go. Hey, if they're listening, sign us up. <laughs> that G on us and we'll happily keep churning these out well if Elon Musk gets his way we'll have to pay for our little special tick won't we um, <laughs> it's quite possible well, that's a uh, conversation anyway. for another day Callum yeah. on that note <laughs> I'm going to say thank you very much Callum for joining once again thank, thank you. you everybody yeah. for listening I hope you managed to survive that chat as it was quite deep we hope you've made it to the end and enjoyed once again our chit chat between us we will of course be jumping into more films over the coming weeks there's a lot to go into and with Christmas fast approaching you never know we may get a little bit festive when we get towards it but we know the award season hits us very quickly at the start of next year, so we often get some big films coming out in November and December, and we will not miss out on those. We'll jump on them, get ourselves to the cinema, and get the reviews out to you. But until then, keep watching the films, keep listening to us, tell all your dearest friends and work colleagues and even people you pass in the street how great and how happening the Glassé Film Club podcast is. But until the next episode. Thank you for listening and we'll see you then. Bye bye.